Hey everybody, this is the Joe Swanson Propaganda Podcast. We're out here in the selling booth at the Ink and Iron 2014 Tattoo Festival. And I'm pretty amazed by everything that's going on. A lot of people, a lot of great artists walking around, saw, recognized the shop name, Elm Street Tattoo. Introduced myself to this guy, Carl Hallowell. And uh, he was kind enough to come and sit down with me and looking at his stuff. Amazing painter, amazing tattooer. How's it going, man? It's going great, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure, man. It's uh, it, it's been cool talking to you just before even sitting down with you. Uh, you're from Texas? Born in Florida. Got to Texas as fast as I could. <laughs> right? So moved there when you were young? Yeah, five years old. That's cool. So you're, are you used to the heat? I don't know if you ever get used to it. Yeah. I had a guy on um, just a second ago, uh, Josh Hagen, and he's uh, from lived in Arizona and tattooed there and then is in moved to Vegas. I was like, dude, you must love the heat. And he's like, I fucking hate that shit. And I'm like, well, why, why are you moving from Arizona, hot as fuck, to Vegas, hot as fuck? He goes, they have really, really good air conditioning. There you we know? go. Yeah. So go. you're at Elm Street. How long you been there? I've been there full time for about five years now. Yeah. How do you like that shop? I, the shop has a reputation, obviously, as as quality work traditional you know a lot of that stuff from oliver you know putting it out there like that definitely definitely got a good vibe there got a good vibe there it it honestly changes from day to day mm -hmm. we're open seven days a week uh depending on what time you get there <laughs> is depending on the vibe you're gonna get sure you know yeah. it is a chaotic wild shop in what way um, in the way that the vibe could change on the drop of a dime. Yeah. Um, it depends on who's there, the different dynamics at sure. work. You know, you mentioned Oliver. Most people know that Oliver runs that shop. Uh, most people don't know Dean is his partner, mm -hmm. uh, who really kind of keeps his nose to the grindstone just building that portfolio, you sure. know. Uh, so if both of them are there, uh, you're really in for a wild night. Yeah. You are. Yeah. You've worked the uh, Friday the 13th. This is, you know, notorious what he's going into his third, what, how many years he's he's been doing the, the shop's been there, what, 20 years, and the Friday the 13th has been 13 years. I was, I listened to a uh, video, I saw him on a video on YouTube, and he was talking about how, I don't know if it was last year's or this year's coming up, or the Friday the 13th was kind of a double anniversary thing where he had been doing... How long has the shop been there? Shop opened up, I believe, in 98. 98. 97, so that's... 98. So, okay. So we're trying to get to 20 years. Good, we're, good. We're just about there, but we're not quite. That's cool, man. How, how is it working, those events? The Friday the 13th events are, are wild. Uh, they're very, very uh, exciting. <laughs> right. It's also a community event. And it's really cool. It brings a lot of people together. And don't know if your audience is familiar with this crazy trend tattoo party that Oliver started. Yes. But they are 13, they're number 13 tattoos for $13 plus a $7 obligatory tip for good luck. Right. So the fact that you're getting a $20 tattoo just cuts all the economics out of it. If you want a tattoo, you're going to show up. If you don't, you're somewhere else. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think people are bummed? There's, there, there are people in the industry that are bummed about that, that, that they don't like the, I don't know if it's, 
I don't know what they don't like because it, it's a great promotional tool. It, I've done it at my, I owned a shop for a little while in Vacaville, California, and we did it there. I enjoyed doing it. You, you meet a lot of new people. I had people travel from, you know, other places because they heard we, we were one of the only shops that were, was doing it. What do you think the benefit of doing something like that is? Well, first of all, I like the fact that you address the fact that people don't like it. And in today's world, I mean, there's a lot of positive people in tattooing. Um, maybe a lot of them are making a lot of money off of it. Mm. So that's the reason for their positivity. And I am uh, a little bit more negative when I look at the modern state of tattoos. So sure. I like the negative question, actually. That yeah. kind of gets my wheels turning. Sure. Because I think that people are afraid that it cheapens the, the, the tattoo. Craft. You know, mm -hmm. and that is that is a slippery slope to walk. But I do see it as a customer appreciation thing. Right. And it's also something that Oliver kind of started when he already had a certain amount of experience when he really could apply a tattoo in a very quick amount of time. Mm -hmm. And he also understood the mechanics of how to make him tattoo quick and painless the way I think it should be. Right. Yeah, absolutely, man. You've been tattooing just like a year longer than me, 19 years. 19 years. What got you into this? Dude, I wanted tattoos. Yeah? Wanted tattoos. Uh, the first couple of tattoos my friends and I got, you know, we had to do them ourselves. With machines or hand poked? or Hand, we... hand poke all the way. Nice. Hand poke all the way. We'd had our friends that were smarter than the rest of us. They'd engineer the machine. Sure. But when you went to try to lay a line, as we know today, there's a lot that goes into that. So we said, hey, this is way too complicated. Let's get the needle back. Let's <laughs> get the ink back. And let's just pop it in one, one dot at a time. What was your first hand poke? It's a little squiggly line that was just kind of a artistic freeform line that our drummer would draw when he wrote our band name back in the day. Cool. So I told him, hey, just throw one of those squiggly lines on me. That's and within awesome. five minutes, I was getting tattooed. Two hours later, I was on, on the way to my job, you know, and I was rolling up my uniform <laughs> sleeve so everybody could see my tiny tattoo. That's awesome, man. <laughs> what do you think? I just saw, and I talked about it yesterday with somebody, I just saw that company Huff has some fucking stick and poke, like, little kit. And the whole thing with stick and poke now is, like, it's totally, there has become a resurgence with this, like, kind of gutter stick and poke shit you know and people are having stick and poke parties and it's it's crazy i don't know if it's a if it's a hipster thing or what it is but it blew my mind when i saw i mean we know some as people in the industry tattooers we know with what we're dealing with as far as bloodborne pathogens and and the autoclave and shit like that and it blew my mind that a company a sock company or whatever the fuck they sell would put out this kit that is encouraging people to go against kind of what we know to be safe. It's pretty negligent. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I think so, you know. I, but I mean, that's the beast that we're, that we're in right now. I mean, everybody's trying to figure out their own way to sell this ancient craft. Mm -hmm. uh, it, What's I, lost? I guess I can't argue because... I'm selling it too, but I, I do attempt to sell it on the skin in the place I think that it does belong. Mm -hmm. You know, I've made forays into designing for clothing and mm -hmm. 
and you know even selling paintings and stuff like that or getting up in galleries sure. and it's it really always comes back to the tattoo you know? your painting pushes your tattoo or does your tattooing push the painting do you think oh i guess it's kind of like a back and forth mm -hmm. it's really cool just to get in front of that piece of watercolor paper and now yeah. all of a sudden i can do anything i want yeah it's not to the customer's needs and yeah. wishes yeah, absolutely. It's it's a little it's a little more freeing, I think. It is. You know, it, it's nice to be put in a position where you have to challenge yourself with the confines, maybe, or uh, that the client puts on the design. But it's also fun to sit back, like you said, open watercolor paper, and you can do whatever you want. It really is a freedom and a joy. Yeah. You know? uh, absolutely. Do you nib? Do you nib or? Yeah, I do mainly. Yeah, yeah. I, I do too. I've gotten into it. First guy that ever introduced me to I knew about it a long time ago, but the guy Dave Gibson introduced it to me. There you go, and, He's the master uh, of it. My first my first uh, nib holder was from Dave. Wow. Yeah, I still have it. I uh, it's at home. I don't wow. use it much anymore because I, I don't. I, I just kind of leave it in my little pen pen jar, you know. Oh, I can see why you would, but I think you should use it. Yeah, I probably should. You know, uh, when I get home, when I get home, I'll maybe I'll bust out a new a new piece. You should. I I just painted this big. I tried something different, man. I I used like a a Sorrel paper, a transfer paper that to transfer the design onto my paper, onto the watercolor paper, and I've done that for years, you know. And I just started trying. My boss man, um, great tattooer, Bao Nguyen at Hard Luck Tattoo in Lodi, California. Hey, I didn't want to ask you if you're from Hard Luck. But I'm glad you are. Is that right? Yes, I am, and now I know why I'm sitting here. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man! It's a badass fucking shop, dude. I I'm 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 very proud to be at that shop. You know, I sold my shop to go and work there, and be closer to home and family. My wife's family's from Lodi, and uh, Bow has run a tight ship for the last 15 years. I just hit 15 years. His artwork's incredible. It's there's these paintings that he does. I'm gonna get back to the watercolor thing. The thing that inspired me that he was doing is he did he was doing these big sheets you'll get a you know a 30 by 40 sheet and he was just he would just draw these designs on them no 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 forethought no sketching it out first no tracing paper and transfer it you just sketch it on in pencil and he tightens it up with the nib and then he paints and and it's got such an impact to me and it was cool to kind of pull that part of the equation out of it and just pencil the paper and then nib the paper and I did my last painting like that and it was pretty fun man that's excellent yeah I think he's one of the few guys that's really comfortable with that level of nakedness to his art yeah and with the comfortable with the tools that we use right uh, we don't have to erase all the lines that we put down you know let's sometimes let our medium show through right that's something about you know in the course of studying tattooing i think most of us at least look at japanese tattooing mm -hmm. and if we do look at japanese tattooing we should maybe even look at the culture first right to have a sort of an idea of what we might be stepping into sure and just the thing with the uh japanese pottery and stuff like that not something i know a lot about but i know that they let the tools show whatever tools they use it, it could be visible from viewing the finished piece of artwork i love that about yeah. tattooing i had uh hori benny i don't know if you're familiar with him from he's from japan and 
white kid from Minnesota that went over to Japan. Learned, I think he spoke Japanese and he was helping out doing some translation at uh, the Ink Lab, I think, in, in Minneapolis. And decided to move over to Japan and look for an apprenticeship. He's got a book that has a handful of his first, within that first year, he finally found, it took him I think two years or some long ass time to find a family that would take him in as a, as a foreigner and put him through an apprenticeship. And it was, it was hardcore. I mean, it's there, it's discipline. And he was made to do the first 50 sheets out of the 250 to 300 he did in the first year of Flash were all tribal. And it was all about spatial relationship between the black and the white. And it taught him, you know, in, in his estimation, it taught him how to deal with those space, the shapes and the space within, you know, the, within designing. And then they loosened up the, the restraints. But he had, to, I mean, it, five sheets a week he was doing. Wow. Right? And he said it, it, it became even harder when he, was, when he was given a little bit of freedom because... It was funner for him, but it was it, it was difficult because he was now in more complex designs and, and shit like that. I'm off topic. The thing that he said, and it was interesting to me, you bring up pottery and these other art forms. He took a flower arranging class and spoke to a flower arranging um, instructor or a lady that did it. And because one of his mentors had told him, you need to work on simplicity. And that's what he, he got from that, from flower arranging, was the simplicity of, you know, the flowers in the vase, the vase on the pedestal, and, and the pedestal within the room. You know what I mean? Yes, it's amazing. Pretty crazy. Super crazy. It, it goes back to the, the zen that they are mm -hmm. professing with their work, you know, that they're right. putting forth, that they're trying to put into words, mm -hmm. just like ancient Chinese poetry or old Sumi paintings from yeah. China or Japan or Korea. It's it's uh, based on trying to express the suchness of things, uh, the true reality of nature. And that really, uh, that really inspires me. Yeah, absolutely. Know? There's a, there's a video and I don't know what this guy does. If he's just an artist, there's a video on YouTube where a guy just takes, it's a fat ass brush, the Sumi ink, and he, he paints this dragon in a few minutes, you know, less than 10 minutes. I mean, it's, it's YouTube, so, and it's, the flow of it is amazing. The composition of it is amazing. The simplicity of it, and that's what fucking, turn, you know, turns my head, man, is the simplicity of it being so simple, yet so impactful. Definitely. Right? The yin and the yang. Yeah, absolutely. Done. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? Greg James talked about that yesterday about just the background we were talking about background on Japanese work and how the, the simplicity of just the black the solid black background and juxtaposed with that you know outer layer of, of Japanese work that where all the design work comes into it and the layers of clothing and shit like that I'm expounding on the idea that we talked about yesterday but you know I, I love I love that back, black in the background you know oh man what a what a great look uh huh. What a great look. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a dude in um, on my 40th birthday. I was fortunate enough to go and get tattooed by Doug Hardy and at Tattoo City. I've been in Tattoo City a few times, many times, and it was my first time getting tattooed there. And 
um, it was it was cool to see all that history in there, you know. Oh and, yeah. And, and, and all the all the flash. There's original flash still hanging on the walls there, and and. You know, on that note, have you been over to Outer Limits, the old Burt Grimm's spot? I have not. I attempted to find the the famous pike back about 10 years ago. I was out here going shop to shop, selling flash, and just getting back out on the road. And uh, I pulled downtown Long Beach, and I rolled down my window and asked this dude. I said, hey, where's the old pike at? He shouted at me, there ain't no pike no more, boy. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> Whoa. Not not the right accent, but yeah. No. Yeah. yeah he, that's... He, got me out of, he got me out of town. Wow. It, it's, in a, it's in an odd spot. It took us a couple times around the block to find it and then parked and walked over to it. Again, being in that, being in there, you know, feeling the, the vibe. It still has got a cool vibe to it. You know, it's totally different. Carrie Barber has it, Outer Limits now, and... But being inside, though, seeing the pictures on the wall, all the pictures, I believe, are original. She, she preserved it, right? Yes. She bought it right before it was going to be, uh, I think, given up on. Yeah. The, I think she got in there, and as you said, I guess she preserved it. That's awesome. It, it, yeah, and, and it and it has all a lot of the original flash. Oh, my God. I got to get down there. I got pictures. I'm going to show you, Carl, after cool. this, man. You, there is there is some flash that that's painted this Jesus head. It's just epic, wow. and you know it's a, it's a good eight inches. I think, think it's Grim or Shaw. I can't remember. I'd have to or look. Neither. I don't know. I think one of those two. I think maybe it was. I'd have to look on my picture because cool. I have I have a picture of it and and it's got this day glow pink. Oh wow. Orange kind of color in it and it's so bright, it's so old and it's crazy that it's so still so bright. Yeah, that would be amazing to see. Uh, we've really talked about some great tattoo shops. Yeah. And we've kind of referenced some other tattoo shops in weird ways, such as, you know, talking about hard luck yep. and then talking about your friend in Minneapolis, mm -hmm. but then knowing that Palmer is in Burnsville right now yeah. at the Aloha Monkey. At the Aloha Monkey. Or we talked about Dave Gibson. Yeah, he's out in Stockton now at, at a shop just, just down the street from Lodi and has worked at hard luck. He worked at Hard Luck a little bit. I just saw this piece that my buddy uh, Junebug had on his arm. You know, a $100 eagle. Wow. They said it was before he had, it, June's heavily tattooed now, before he had a lot of tattoos, and he was hanging out, and and they're like, hey, this guy Dave Gibson's coming in. You should get a tap, you know, you should get a tap from him. And he's like, all right, well, you know, Dave, what do you want to do? And he's like, I'll pick something, you know, and points to an eagle. Yep, slaps it on and busts it out. and. It, it's fucking great. You know, there I think go. he said I think he said he drew it on, and it's like kind of the diving eagle. And uh, Dave's a cool man. Oh, I Dave's can a cool guy. Him, I can picture him designing that one. His flash is amazing, and that was kind of what I was gonna make reference to is his old Lucky's mm -hmm. tattoo parlor down in San Diego, down in Old Town, and uh, the flash that he had in that thing, it was all hand painted. Yeah, every little last bit of it. If it was a Tasmanian devil, hand-painted. Leo yeah. Zulueta tribal, hand-painted by Dave. Yeah. It was the coolest shop I've ever seen in terms of its flash. Wow. I haven't seen a whole lot of shops that are just flashed out with those guys' work, you know? The place that I need to get to, and I don't know, I, I've been I've been telling my wife, we got to get over there, we got to get over there. 
in Modesto, end of the trail. Good oh, job, Charlie's. Yeah. Charlie's oh, yeah. stopped by the shop a few times, makes stops in, makes sure we're all doing good and and shit like that. And what a guy. Heard many stories come out of that man's mouth, and and what a what a cool experience to be able to sit down with him and hear about history and hear about his life and his shop is is amazing on the ceiling and on the any little spot. And I think that history comes. You know, I don't know where Charlie gets that, but I think that was something that was done back in the day. Dave, in 2009, I, uh, I interviewed Dave via Skype. It was crazy. It was my first ever interview over the Internet and, and kind of maybe the, even the beginnings of this, what we're doing now. And I just wanted to hear about his experience working on the pike and working with those guys. And, and he was a big influence on me, not only on my drawing, but on my lettering. I took a seminar with him back in the day. And, you know, he was telling me that in that pike shop, it didn't matter what space. There might have been a little three-inch by four-inch space next to the light switch, hand-painted flash to put, you know, custom to put right in that little spot on the wall. Wow. So that's all they had. They, that was the only space left, you know. So, all right, we'll bust out a little piece here. All right, there's a little spot over there. All right, let's plus, bust out a little design here for that. You know, once the whole place is flashed up, it's pretty cool, man. It's no other, There's nothing else like it, really. No than a shop that's flashed out from floor to ceiling and hand painted stuff too oh wow yeah good point a lot of guys don't do that these days it's it's a lot of prints there's you know the smith street guys and and a couple other shops out there that that are into that kind of nostalgia of it and and the desire to have hand done stuff you know we're in a hand a hand on art it's it's cool to have that kind of vibe throughout the whole place. Yeah, I've heard Smith Street is amazing too with the hand-painted flash. I yeah. think that's another place, 100% hand-painted. Right. That's a really Wild. cool thing and it gives, you know, it gives your uh, customers an idea of exactly what you do in there. Yeah, and absolutely. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, there's. Uh, I was down here a few months back and uh, worked at a shop, uh, the original Goodfellows. I was invited down by a couple buddies of mine Steve Johns and Curtis Gibson who worked down here and working at opening up a shop in Garden Grove. Garden Grove's kind of giving them some shit. Some of the owners down there, the businesses don't want, you know, a so-called, uh, what they are seeing as a negative business that's uh, into into downtown. But uh, my, my, my opinion is that that's going to, these are stand-up dudes. They're doing the right things. They, w- they want to have an art gallery in the, be- in the front of it and tattoo in the, in the back area uh still open and accessible to people and and bring some vibrancy back to garden grow which you know my conversations with curtis they need that when i was down here um the last time you know it was i totally lost my train of thought as far as where i was going with this but southern california is a different animal i think absolutely it's there's such a concentration a high concentration of of high quality artists and you got to push down here you got to really push your art and i i, I think uh i think that's kind of re-inspired me to to continue to do that do things like i did with that newest painting you know just draw on with pencil so wh- where do you find some of your inspiration carl i guess with the old greats yeah uh, we've already talked about the pike yeah and i really can't stress enough the inspiration that I've gained from studying the pike history and studying mm-hmm. the pike designs. Yeah. 
I, I'm just uh, endlessly fascinated with it, and I'm glad to be able to be down here in Southern yeah. California as often right. as I am, kind of soaking it in. There's yeah. a lot of history here. Absolutely. I remember what I was going to say. Who I was going to mention was uh, Sid. Sid's tattoo. Yeah. Sid Stankovitz. I just saw on his Instagram, he, he's just put up a bunch of new flash that he painted, you know, a, a dozen sheets or whatever it was that he hung by his station. And that's another place that has, you walk in there and it's, you know, he is one of the other guys that works there. His whole station is flashed up with stuff that he's painted original and taped up and hung on the wall. Well, I'm glad we got back on that. That's the whole vibe of a tattoo shop, isn't it? I mean, you can't say that every tattoo shop's like that. This day and age where somebody will put an oil painting in the gallery sure. and uh, sit back behind a you know a white counter and white yeah. chairs and white floor and right. do a black tattoo on it. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, that's I have a certain look. I have a certain idea in my mind when I think of certain mm -hmm. words like tattoo. It's probably a heart with a banner going across that says mom, maybe some leaves yeah. behind it. And that's If I close my eyes and think that word, yep. if I close my eyes and think tattoo shop, I'm picturing all the flashies mm -hmm. lined up one yeah. after the other, the images mixing together, and mm -hmm. that wild assortment of stuff that you can choose from. I see. Or the people that did choose from right. back when we started. Yeah. You know, that kind of the look where you wander in and you're drunk and you can't see one from the other because right. it's all one mural of yep. tattoo of design. hazy yellow because it's nicotine stained. There you, and, you go. Know, Talk about like, the old days. Yeah, real old days. There we you know, go. That's, that's a, I had, um, I have this, uh, it was three sheets that were the window sheets in Zisa's shop back in the day. And wow. they're, you know, it's a print of it. The, who was selling the print? Um, I've talked about it before, and I forget the guy's name on the East Coast was selling a print of it. He had. Is he it had, not Eldridge? Chuck no, Chuck. Eldridge? No, Chuck. Uh, oh, okay. uh, that's another guy, man. I hung out. With, I've hung out with Chuck a lot hey. in Berkeley, and and I had him on the podcast when I did some live shows in Colorado, and he was in. He was the guy that helped me when I did that interview. Interview with Dave. I also did an interview with a guy named Clint, uh, Clayton Patterson from New York City. He was a guy that was behind the New York Tattoo Association meetings that, you know, guys like Hoyer and Deutsch and Atchison and all those guys were a part of. And it became almost this monthly meeting, almost a monthly convention where it was still illegal then in New wow. York. And they would come together and there was not this weird, it was not this weird competition thing. And Clayton broke it down. He said, um... The day that it became illegal was the day that those meetings stopped and everybody became everybody else's competition, you know? And so nobody, there was not that free flow of information anymore within that area. It was, it was, became closed off. But, um, yeah, what a, what a, what a wild, what a wild industry we are in. Oh, we are. We are. That's a cool thing. That's another, uh, very cool throwback tattoo culture thing the tattoo club you know yeah how cool would that have been to That's, be in a tattoo club underground yep. nyc early 90s yeah before it was legal and right after guys like of course the great tom devita paved the way yes even uh jonathan shaw you know running mm -hmm. fun city and fun city yeah paying his tickets or whatever the social lore <laughs> was you know yeah. behind how he 
kept that uh -huh. open all those years. Yeah, you know, and then you have more recent than that even is guys like Brad Fink who who were involved with I think was it Fly Right him and a business partner had had Fly Right tattoo there in New York City. And I think Daredevil. Daredevil, that's right. That Daredevil tattoo, that's Michelle right. Michelle Miles. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's another, I met him, I actually met him at Outer Limits when I was in there, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm down here, man, I, I've been I've been around a long time, and I, I have not traveled as much as I want, I know who, I know who the people are around in this area, in, in tattooing that I admire, and that's one guy that I admire, and I recognize him and introduce myself, and just, you know, that guy does some of the most epic work, there, I, the, the piece that always comes to mind for me in the Underway is the Only Way book is, I think it's in Underway is the Only Way. It's, the, it's an eagle that he does. I think it's on the chest. And it's so, he's got some colors in there that I just, that make it crazy looking. And it's so beautiful. And I think the colors are like stacked. It's like purple and pink and purple and pink on the wings or something. Something about it. I can't, you know. I just remember it being something that I looked at, and I was like, fuck, man, Brad Fink is so good. Man, he's cool. He, yeah. he definitely gets crazy with it. And I think some of those crazy colors are part of the look of tattooing. I think there's some crazy colors that if you say to your customer, well, I'm going to put some blank in it, you'll probably get a look. You know, right. You might get a downright, no, don't put that in my tattoo. Yeah. But, some of those colors, I think, are the very colors that, that tattoos really are. Sure. And I, I don't fully understand it, but I have an inkling that some of these colors that we look at in tattoos, we only see them in tattoos. It's part of the overall look of tattooing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Getting back to that Z sheet, <clears throat> where that came from, the the guy who sold was selling the prints had three original 20 by 15 sheets that Z's had, and they hung in his window. Completely nicotine stained, ripped down the side, you know, from over the years. Well, he had somebody scan it and digitally fix it, you know, the rip. And so it's it's just a black and white uh, three sheets that are put together. And the thing that I think is so cool about it are, are if you look at those uh, those designs, they're all that big. You know, absolutely. It, it's they're one shot pieces that were being done back in the day, probably with, you know, a, a five liner or, a, you know, not traditional with a seven liner or a, or whatever, you know, nine or 11 round that motherfuckers are using now, which still cool work today. I'm not I'm not discrediting that. I'm, I'm saying it's cool to see that they were doing such small work. And I heard Chuck was telling me that um, George Burchett was you did single needle stuff all the time. You know, he, all those big dragons and stuff were all single. Absolutely. Crazy, right? Yeah, can you imagine these guys nowadays trying to do a face that small? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> wild, man. That was wild. But also, the thing is, Joe, that's really interesting to me about that is, imagine the respect for the skin if your average tattoo was a three-inch tattoo. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the average tattoo now? Eight inches, ten inches, yeah, twelve inches. People will come in and say, "I want a medium-sized tattoo." What is that? <laughs> right, or the guy will talk about, "Well, I can't cover that with something that small. It's going to need to be a sleeve and a chest panel." You right. Know, it's, it's, 
it's in a lot of cases a disrespect for the skin that that irritates me and uh, it disgusts me. Mm -hmm. You know, when you don't know how to take advantage of that piece of skin, I, I wish they wouldn't use a piece of skin that big. Right. And if we did still use the small designs, you know, they'd be practicing on small ones. And you know, right. what I mean, when the guy gets ready for his back piece or his chest piece, you know bring out the big guns but, absolutely you know I yeah think that small look not only does it look classic but man it's going to allow these people to get that many more tattoos right absolutely it's it's cool i think it's cool i mean coming up how i came up with the guy that taught me how to tattoo and i was told early on you know you got to read these tattoo time magazines you got to be familiar with these guys you got to learn our history you know and where this came from and tattooing modern tattooing is only 120 years old you know, I mean, think about it. It's we're in a very, very young industry. It's been around since the, the you know, since the beginning of time, indelibly marking yourself. But modernized tattooing since, you know, let's let's just say oh, since 1891, O'Reilly putting, you know, patenting that machine. And and I think it's an exciting time to be tattooing. I think that uh there's some things that that I miss about how, how it was when I first came up. What do you miss? What do you miss? What do you think is missing in in this boom of tattooing that we're in right now? Oh, I don't know. I guess if I could figure that out, I'd write a book <laughs> <laughs> and sell it. And sell it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Which brings us back to what's wrong with it. You know, I guess anytime there's like a a commercial effort uh, behind something soulful maybe the balance gets shifted and the commercial aspect of it becomes more important than the soul aspect mm -hmm. of it. And I'd be willing to say that tattooing is a soul craft. Ah, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you can, I think you can be commercial and I think you can, you can maintain the respect and the, and I think initially kind of why I started doing this, you know, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, you know, my intention of, of doing the podcast was kind of to bring some positivity to what we do, to educate people on the kind of things that we, as tattooers, want them to be educated on. Because it's coming upon us as the artist to discredit some of the information that's out there that's been just, you know, slopped into our industry by people that don't know what the fuck is up. And, you know, I appreciate having people like Jojo Ackerman, like Brian Everett. Brian Everett, if you ever have a chance to sit down and talk to that guy, one of the most humble and and well thought out guys, uh, and you know it's it's cool to see those guys coming in and supporting things like this and supporting you know some of the other media that's that's going on and you know what do you th I mean you work for Oliver, what do you think about the TV shows and shit like that? It's something that I it's kind of an oil and water issue for mm -hmm. me. I, I, don't I think really it is think a lot for people. The two don't really go hand in hand, I don't believe. Um, I guess a chef doesn't go home and watch uh, cooking celebrity shows right. or anything. So I definitely don't go home and watch tattoo TV. Sure. Um, wow, I remember when Miami Ink came on and remember all those emotions that went through the very went through our business. Mm -hmm. Very visceral response to that kind of stuff. and. My, my, my take on it is I think that you get the right people involved in it and hopefully you can, you can put out the right message. And you have to understand, 
I think people have to understand what those shows are about, like Ink Master and Best Ink, and some of those, they're, com they're competition shows. It's, a comp it's not a tattoo shop show. It's not a show about what ha really happens in a tattoo shop or in the life of a tattooer. Not many tattooers get carted off to New York to compete in a bunch of crazy challenges you know, to, to win money. Most of us are in the shop day to day, grinding it out, doing infinity signs, doing believe, you know, believe upside down on somebody's wrist and, and trying to make the best tattoos we can each day. I can see that. Um, tattoos and competition at the same it's time. It's wild. <laughs> doesn't seem right. But I guess at the same time, every tattoo convention I've ever gone to is having a tattoo contest up on yeah. the stage where people can show off their work and you know, kind of see who the judges' favorites are and you know, sure. bring home that trophy to your tattoo right. artist and give it to them. There's yeah. that whole thing that used to be kind of a bigger deal than it is now. Yeah. Um, well, there's so many. There's so many. I think it used to be a bigger deal because there was less shows. Exactly. You know, and less and, going on at them. Right. And when you did win something, it meant that you were that you were acknowledged for your work and your work was superior. Well, you can go to a show every weekend and win a competition now if you're a competent tattooer. And, and it doesn't really make to me it doesn't tell me doesn't show me that that you maybe even necessarily deserve to win that or you're doing the right thing. It, shows me you went to the right show and put yourself in a position to do that well, maybe and maybe that's you know I can I can appreciate the hustle of that but it's it's watered down at this point the the oh it's a word I'm looking for the importance of it I guess well we're tattooing across from the great hanky panky this show yeah and uh, we're down there on the bottom floor of the boat and uh, we've had a lot of time to fraternize and stuff and you know he was telling me a little bit about the way that it used to be you know and it it's funny that you and I are relatively young mm -hmm. but even our histories if I may speak for you for a second sure. goes back long enough to where I remember kind of what he was talking about but I'm sure it wasn't to the same extent but Mm -hmm. It was just the camaraderie. It mm -hmm. was the fact that this was one family. Right. The guy next to you, mm -hmm. the guy next to him, the guy on the other side, the guy in the next room. Sure. They're all part of this one singular tattoo yeah. family. I As think I've, uh, I've definitely made a distinction on the show since I started recording these podcasts a couple years ago. And I've made a clear distinction that there are two animals that we deal with as tattooers and, and within this industry. There's an industry, and that's the fastest growing, you know, biggest beast out there right now. Produces these shows and, and has all this shit going on. And then there's the community, the tattoo community, and that's the close-knit group. It's a small community, you know, of, of people that, I mean, look it. I've never met you. We know many, many, many of the same people. We've talked about many, many of the same shops that we admire and respect, and, and that's the community. You know, that's there not the go. industry. The there industry the industry is the 14 different shows, tattoo conventions that you can go to next weekend if you want that are run by people that aren't tattooers. Not that that's a bad, you know, not that every show run by a non-tattooer is a bad thing. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, you know, it gets watered down at a certain point. It really does, and there's so many that want to take advantage of us. 
Yeah. And they are. Sure. They are. <laughs> and, and it's incumbent upon us not to let that happen, you know, as tattooers and people that want to see the right things happen. I like how you said that, too. You know, hey, the responsibility is ours. This is our time. We can express ourselves and, and in many different ways to try to shape tattooing. There are vehicles out there that we can use, like this podcast, like Instagram, like social media, where the the thought and the feeling and the sentiment of what we liked about tattooing can be put out there. It can. You can hoist it up on your flag and right. you, could, you could say, this is what I think it is. Best part about tattooing that still drives you today? Different every day. That and the pursuit of the images. Mm -hmm. Learning how to draw the images correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great, man. Carl, it, this has been a fucking great talk, man. This has I, been a great time. I, I really have enjoyed sitting with you, man. Tell people where they can find out about your work. Uh, obviously, Elm Street Tattoo, but you have an Instagram and Facebook and shit like that? Um, I do. Um, my name is Featherhand Yeah, let's, on Instagram. That's right. Okay. So where did that come from? Oh, that came from an old customer of mine who had a real way with words. And, uh, you know, I get to going on, oh, easy there, Featherhand. You yeah. Know, he, he came out with that, you know, he always, easy there, you know, and give me, give me crap, you know. Right. I really bared down on him. <laughs> this mummy will be heavily tattooed. Yeah. Hey, easy there, better hands. So I'd put down the machine and laugh for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Kind of got proud of that. Perfect. He was saying how bad I was. But now that I've practiced and practiced, yeah. I feel like when I tell somebody that, they sit down, wow, you know, you know, I really you can't have, feel a thing. You do have a light hand, Carl. Good job. So it's Featherhand on Instagram and uh, Elm Street Tattoo in Deep Ellum, downtown Dallas. Cool. And also True Tattoo in Hollywood on right. Wanga. I get nice. to go there uh, several times a year and tattoo. Right. And uh, I love being down in Southern California. Yeah, it's nice down here, isn't it? It's beautiful. Great, man. Carl, such a pleasure. Great times, Joe. All Thank right. you for having yep. me. Bye-bye.